0: So hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Salopcast with myself, Glenn Price, and as usual joined by Ollie Warner. How are you, Ollie?
1: Yeah, hi mate. How you doing?
0: I'm okay. I'm I'm a bit better now. We're recording this on Sunday. Obviously, we've we've started to try and get over the result of Port Vale, haven't we, Ollie? So um, yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting uh, few days, and, and results over the weekend were probably just as important for us as actually the Shoesbury game on Friday. So um, we should probably just say at the top of this episode, Ollie, that we're kind of carrying the can for uh, the Town losing at Vale, aren't we? Because it's the third um, time we've sat together at a game. Um, since we've been in Southcast and we're still yet to see shoes we win away from home, aren't we? So I think we're going to have to be split apart for the rest of this season, Ollie, just to make sure we get over the line, mate.
1: Yeah, I think we might. Uh, I think we might need to do something different. Um, we do <laughs> sit each other quite closely at home games, but um, yeah, clearly yes. sitting next to each other is. Maybe we need to swap sides. Though we have sat on separate sides of each other, that didn't help. So um...
0: we'll keep working at it, eh? And hopefully we'll find we'll find the solution that yeah. gets us over the line. But yeah, ultimately a disappointing result of Port Vale, wasn't it, Ollie? And um, there's very little bit else been going on at the club this week as we just focus on the running so i think we're going to just dive straight into this game aren't we yep. and, and really pick apart the port Vale game and here come the home side the last chance surely it is vernon on the left there are bodies in the box it is scott vernon driving towards the goal he's still going and it's in there, it's there! they have won it with the last kick of the game and shrewsbury score through Grimmer.
1: so as glenn mentioned obviously friday night was not a good night for town fans um 2-1 defeat uh, at Port Vale um, on a very, very wet night. Um, luckily, um, the Sound fans were sheltered under an, um, a nice away end. Um, just on the attendance, the attendance from the Vale f- um, perspective was pretty poor, wasn't it, Glenn?
0: Yeah, we, we noticed it straight away, didn't we? We said yeah. what's happened to all the Port Vale fans, and I think there'd been an accident locally on a few of the one of the local roads I got caught up in, and also, we'll come to it during our discussion of the game, but the weather was absolutely dreadful, wasn't it? It was one of the worst sort of weather conditions I've been to at a game for a while, so maybe that kept a few few people away but um, yeah in general I was quite surprised because games there have been quite vociferous to home fans and obviously we brought a lot but for them to have had you know they had less than 4,000 their home home fans at Port Vale so yeah disappointing for them and you can see why maybe the way they played but um, yeah not good
1: no, not good. But on a positive note, there was a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans. They would. I can't remember. You heard it. I, um, you heard it at the time. I, I couldn't. Didn't hear quite what the number was. It's about seven hundred Town fans, isn't it?
0: Yeah, about seven. I think seven twelve. Something like that. Might be wrong. But great turnout by the Town fans. Yeah. And, um It was great. You know, I, I went into the social club beforehand, Ollie, and there was plenty of people in there chanting and, and sort of getting on with Port Vale fans, which was nice to see. Actually, considering some of the stupid histrionics has been between the two clubs before. Yeah. Um, and then I went into the game and, yeah, same thing. Under the concourse, lots of chanting, yep. lots of beer being drunk. And then, yeah, that continued. I think it was nice. We had three blocks, didn't we? And all three of them seemed to have a good mix of singers in them. So yep. it really did get the atmosphere going at certain times in the game. And it was it was one of the better atmospheres away from home. It was a few strange chants that we can talk about later. Yep. But in general, it was a, it was a cracking atmosphere for Shrewsbury, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. totally agree with that. So in terms of the team, um, so... Um, pretty much the, the majority of the team was the same. A bit of a surprise that Payne came in. Um, so that was an odd one. We can talk about that. Um, and also Brown came back, which which we kind of expected. Um, I think a lot of town fans expected Sadler to go back to central defence and Brown to come in. Um, so, yeah, that was a town. So I'll come back to the, the team selection in a second, Glenn, and I'll ask your view yeah. on that. Um, but we wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit differently this week. Um, and we thought it maybe be a good idea to kind of start with Paul Hurst post-match comments because it was pretty annoyed um, and <laughs> um, Listening to, I wouldn't say Shropshire Radio. Yeah, Shropshire Radio on my f- iPhone, trying to get, I obviously, can't get signal. Um, for Shropshire Radio in Stoke. And, well, I um, could. Did you? Oh, okay, I did. Yeah. I, maybe it's because I always do DAB, so maybe that's yeah. why. You'd um, put the FM on, it was fine. Yeah, I should have gone. But I, I could listen anyway because I, I was using my iPhone again um, through the car. And <laughs> yeah, we obviously didn't get to hear Paul Hurst because he was still in the dressing room. Um, so when he did come out, he was looked pretty pissed off. Um, yeah. And his kind of opening remark was we didn't play until we were 2-0 down and um, we couldn't pass the ball 10 yards. You said about both teams and we yeah. couldn't do the simple things um, and also that the goals we conceded were too easy. Frustrated, disappointed uh, and then was asking questions about the player's temperament um, and whether they whether they, are for the fight. Um, and I think one thing just kind of worth mentioning, you know, we why we've been on this good Um, run of results we've still always been in the relegation battle haven't we we haven't got out of it Um, and I I don't know I don't know about your thoughts on this Glenn as well I'll ask you this question Um, do you think BBC Shropshire and some other media have been a bit kind of almost too positive in terms of our recent results and while our league position has still been quite precarious
0: I think we've, we've talked around this point a few times haven't we for me it's um, more of a case of you can't really argue with, with Paul Hurst and what he's done since he came into the football club away form is something now that you might want to start looking at as, as something to question mark over because we've, we've been a bit poor away from home in the last sort of yeah. month particularly Um But in general, you've got to remember the the absolute crap position we were in when he took over. And we'll come back to that because that that plays a big part in saying that the media have been good and and we've been positive about Paul Hurst as well, haven't we? But we're we're two points above the relegation zone again now. And you can't say that we're out of trouble and we could still easily get relegated under Paul Hurst. But he can't carry any real significant can for it, can he? He's going to have to carry... If we got relegated, he'd, he'd have to carry a little bit of it, I suppose. But a lot of it comes to the fact that he took over a poison chalice and we we were all saying we were pretty much down already. So to even still be now eight games left, isn't it now, I think. Um yeah. to still think we've got a buffer and we could still stay up. Let's let's look at the positive still. But you know, I think it is good that we had some positives because it was so negative during November and December that the football club was heading nowhere on and off the pitch in some respects, wasn't it? And we, we were starting to question all sorts of things. So Paul has sort of started to get us looking upwards. And if he can just snickle out another couple of wins, then I think a lot of that praise he's had will be well due.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I just felt um, that Beavis of Shropshire in particular were quite buoyant. Obviously, we were buoyant yeah. in terms of winning games, but um, I, thought, um, I thought Paul Hurst was right throughout the whole this, that, positive period when we were you know top of the form t- um, table that um, we were still not safe um, mm. I think, and particularly going to the Coventry game, uh, there seemed to be an expectation that we were going to win easily uh, and we didn't um, yeah. I don't know, that was just the impression I, I got you,
0: um. Yeah, it is interesting, Ollie, but then I think, you know I there's there's a, you know there's a discussion to be having about the media and, and and that sort of thing but to me it was interesting listening to Paul Hurst and some of the things you just mentioned there about whether regardless of what the media are saying and regardless of what fans are thinking and even what Paul Hurst is thinking what's in the mind of those players over the last three games yeah. playing three teams bottom of the league what what is in their temperament? Did you know, were they were they too casual approaching it thinking that the job was done and they'd get one or two wins in these three games and, and be safe? Because if that's the case, then that and, and obviously the things Paul Hurst told us about some of the temperament of the players during Danny Coyne's reign in charge and how he thinks that what, I can't remember what the word he used now was, but, you know, it was, it was Disrespectful in a of all sense,
1: weren't they? Yeah, yeah they weren't trying. Um, they didn't give him the respect he deserved.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to think we've moved on from that, but you do think somewhere along the line that even some of the lone players potentially, maybe Payne, for one, who will come to talk about, does he think it's job done? Is he really going to be putting in the shift now in this in this relegation battle again? Because that attitude over the last three games has potentially got us right back into trouble and needs to be kicked out of him pretty sharpish, I think.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. We're in concern. So, going back to team selection, Glenn. What were you surprised um, with, particularly with um, the choice of um, pain up front?
0: I was massively. I think this takes us back to the Milton Keynes Dons away game, which is sort of where I kind of made an initial judgment of what I think Payne offers us in a relegation battle. Um, and I'm not to say he's not going to turn into a good player, but I I don't feel that he offers us any more than Humphrey does as, as that second striker. And I personally think that we should be playing Lepardo from the start because fans are like him. It doesn't there's, there's a sort of linkage there and he's, he's sort of bagged in a few goals. So quite why Lepardo didn't start, especially in a game which was wet, Horrible conditions. It was a bit of a battle, wasn't it, Ollie? And there was a lot of physicality in the match that that seemed more like his sort of game. So I found it very strange. And and, and having watched Payne for ninety minutes again, um, and the MK Dons things, I'm I'm not even sure what type of a striker he is, and not really sure what he's been bringing us. Um, and I, I, same as Milton Keynes, I particularly second half before he got subbed off, question his work rate. He really didn't want to put a shift in, in my opinion. So. You know, I'd like to see one of either Humphrey or Lepado back because they both seem to be offering a lot more at this stage of the game. So yeah, I was quite surprised to see him start because um, I didn't think he did anything. To Mk Dons to deserve it really.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, on um, the Saturday morning, um, I did a poll uh, on the Shrew- on the Tone Shrew- Shrew- Facebook group um, asking um, who would you have started. Um, and yeah, Lapado Lep- got fifty two of the votes, Dodd thirty six, Humphrey's thirteen, um, mm. Guy Maggio got two, and Payne got no votes. <laughs> so kind of tells you everything Brilliant. in terms in terms of um yeah in terms of expectations and <laughs> i thought our best run had been um with um with Ladapo um and robert yep. um Roberts. playing up front so yeah what if you, you know if your form has kind of um enough form has gone poor you know we've drawn quite a few and now we've lost again uh, yeah why not return to the team that kind of did well and uh, I thought he offers a bit more and there must be something in he must see something in pain and I think Hurst you know we own the respect to trust his judgement but um, yeah I, I don't I haven't seen what what, what pain um, brings and also he was ill at the start of the week so yeah um, yeah I just I don't, I'm not sure what um, um Ladapo's done to not um, be dropped but anyhow um yeah that's also our yeah. views on that it's part strange. that team selection very strange
0: yeah I, i'm sure that will you know consistency of of team selection is something that shushu town fans are always banging on about isn't it and you know when you've got two front players um who would were doing a reasonably good job you know we had a couple of games where we struggled when Lapado played but you know, we didn't struggle in those games. Maybe as much as we did against Port Vale on Friday night. So maybe he has to go back to the drawing board and rethink about what he's going to do there. So, yep. be interesting to see who starts the next couple of home games because you know we're going to come to this in, in a bit. But these two crunch home games are going to be pretty season-defining, aren't they? Every game's massive now, so yeah, personally I'd like to see Humphrey starting, uh, sorry, um, Lapado starting. I, I've enjoyed Humphrey's work off the bench. We were talking, weren't we, on, on Friday Night Me and you, Ollie, and saying that he's actually been really good when he's come off the bench, and one of those one of the reasons we sparked into life a little bit, and he did enough when he came on, but um, yeah, if he can be that impact player as a substitute... It's Roberts, Lepardo and Humphrey with the three I'd be getting the most most minutes out of, really. Yeah,
1: no, definitely. Interesting Interesting views. And, yeah, a lot of grumblings on the terraces when that decision was made. There was, yeah. So, yeah, starting, going into the game, um, I think the first two observations um, were how big is the pitch, the pitch um, veil. Vale, I knew it was big and I remember going there a few years ago, um, but I forgot how big it is. It's absolutely huge. Um, and then also the weather conditions were pretty horrendous. Um, but yeah, um, what was your view on the on the pitch, Glenn? Were you, did you think it had a big yeah. impact on the game?
0: I, I do and I don't in some respects. I, I thought initially we, we sat there and looked at him, we Ollie, and we were talking about this pre-match and saying, you know, this is ideal when we're playing with two wingers. Um, we should be getting a lot of space, and you'd like to think that Rodman and um, Wally would be getting a lot of crosses in, and you know maybe that's the sort of thing that Payne brings us. Maybe he's good in the air or something, but he never got a chance to show us, did he? Because we very rarely got it down in the wings, and we, we commented into the game, didn't we, about how Vale's pitch is huge, but it doesn't a lot of it doesn't get used. It seemed to be that you know all twenty-two players were sort of clustered into sort of one area every time, and there was not any width for either team during the whole game, which. It was weird considering how big the pitch was but then when you you know they played 442 as well didn't they i think and it sort of went like for like and so it was a bit of a man versus man situation in the game wasn't it and yeah it didn't it didn't actually play as big a part as i thought it might have done in in terms of how we could have exploited it and um turned it to our advantage really yeah
1: um yeah we we didn't use the space and we didn't get the hill. i guess um going back to her um, post matches i guess we didn't really take advantage of the space because we couldn't pass <laughs> which is it's obviously a fundamental of football if you can't pass the ball then you're going to struggle yeah. which obviously didn't mean that we didn't get the chance for the yeah the, the full backs and the wingers to kind of get wide because yeah we just no. gave the ball away which is very very frustrating um, but yeah do you want to do you want to lead us into the start of the game Glenn? Into the yes f- I
0: mean uh, the other thing about the pitch I suppose it wasn't really helped by the weather conditions was no, Ollie, it Ollie because wasn't. Um, for anyone that wasn't there, you know, I think you'll have heard it was windy and rainy, but geez, it was pretty bad to be honest with you. So, I mean, I remember getting there about 45 minutes before kickoff. I got out of my car and I'd been sort of only about an hour or so up the road, and it was slightly better conditions there, but must have been getting worse in Stoke as we come, come down there. Because I got out of the car and it almost got blown away by the wind. I was, and I know Port Vale's one of the higher grounds, isn't it? It's quite high up in Burslem. Yeah. Um, and the wind and the rain just didn't stop coming down the entire, you know, 90 minutes and the hour before and the hour afterwards. And so, you know, towards the end, it was getting some sort of puddles getting on the side of the pitch. So it wasn't a game you were going to play very neat football in, and you were going to need battlers and scrappers. And and you know, deep down, I think Port Vale probably had more battlers and scrappers than than they had classy players. We've obviously had a few players on there who've got a bit of pedigree and a bit of class, and might just have been lacking that sort of, you know, bit, bit of graft that bit of graft and hard tackling and wanting to get hurt. You know, a little bit of that. I wouldn't say it was a big pack factor in the game, but yeah, it definitely had a factor. The the weather conditions as well as well as the pitch. So it was just a very very strange game in some respects because of those two things.
1: Yeah, no, it certainly was. And well, I, I, in terms of player performance, um, yeah, maybe we'll come on to player performance after we kind of give yeah. a bit of a summary of the game. Um, I'm not sure if I... I don't know I'm, I'm kind of mixed like, Yeah, my my opinion has been kind of changed after the few days listening to Paul Hurst back um, but yeah let's go back and let's go into the poor performance that we kind of given the, the guys yeah. who weren't at the game a, a
0: bit no of the, the game obviously started pretty poorly to be honest with you I mean Vale got on top pretty early doors um and we had Lutweiler to thank, didn't we, from a couple of really smart saves in the first half. I mean, it wasn't a great game of, of any quality in the first half. Ollie. It was pretty dull, we, we sort of said, at half-time. And, you know, at half-time we were pretty happy to be 0-0 because we would have took that as a result at the end of the day. Um, but it did require Lutweiler making some smart saves. They got him down the right-hand side once and he came out and smothered a chance just wide for a, cor- uh, for a, you know, for a corner. And then he had another chance that was directly at him. that He'd made a really smart stopper as well, so... He played pretty well in the first half to keep us in it and you'd like to think that they'd miss these chances and we might have been able to capitalise in the second half but never came to that. So yeah, we had a sort of grew into the game really but only a little bit towards the end of the first half didn't we Ollie? And then we had a long shot from Rodman and I think, was it Wally? Or it might be someone else had another long shot but they were you know speculative efforts from 25 yards plus so we didn't create really anything of any note did we in that first half no. that, other than those two long chances. So it was a game devoid of any quality in the first half, that's for sure. And uh yeah, I don't know. Did anything else stand out about the first half to you? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Um, not much happened. Um yeah, there's a couple of yeah Rodman's chances I guess was the kind of the the closest we came to the best to yeah. get yeah to get in um, a shot on target. Um well wasn't the shot on target, was it went wide? Yep. Um but yeah, it was pretty poor and yeah just in terms of play performance and strike because we didn't hold the ball up very well and um, yeah we didn't really get the chance to build any kind of possession um so yeah going into the second half their there corner the yeah so there was the goals and um on the um, 66th minute um foley scored from a taylor corner um and i've watched this back and um, did you hear that um, the people were mentioning that it shouldn't have been a corner in the first place
0: yeah, we, we said on the, again, going back to the night, we sort of said that we could see the Town players cr- sort of criticising the referee for giving the corner, because it looked to me like the ball was going out, and then obviously Luttweiler went to pick it up and stop it going out, and then he got given, and it would have been going out for a goal kick anyway, and then he got given a. Um you know a for knocking out a player i think that's what it looked like from from the highlights i saw and from what happened on the night but um shouldn't have been a corner either way uh, even if it shouldn't have been a corner it should be defending it a damn sight better than they did shouldn't they because yeah. it was very slack and the guy ran from a long way out and brown just if you look at the highlights again the wind and rain were rattling through so i don't know whether that some water got in his eye and maybe just made him miss his man but he definitely missed him and was 3 4 yards behind him and guy ran in timed timed it perfectly and headed it home Look, while well, he couldn't really have done anything about the chance so very poor defending and it didn't get cut out front post either did it so no. yeah not ideal
1: no very sloppy uh, not the kind of a, a classic town um 2016 2017 um, yeah be interesting if we had the stats if you know how many goals we've conceded um from from set pieces um, it's pretty horrendous um and another example for the another another goal for the for the cabinet in, in that kind of perspective
0: yeah well you, should, you should talk about goals at corners Ollie even at the football matches uh, you know when you sit by Ollie uh, he doesn't just talk about stats on this podcast but you were telling me about you'd been reading something about actually how many the sort of percentage of corners yeah. percentage of goals scored from corners and you think about town we do even worse than that stat you were telling me but in terms of conceding them we must we must let teams score a higher percentage of corners against us than is probably the average for most teams in a football league
1: Yeah, so that stat was, um, there's a book I haven't completely finished, it's a book about football statistics, and it was saying something like, one in nine corners result in a a shot on target, let alone a goal, Um, and it was interesting, I also made the comment about how Jose Mourinho still doesn't understand why English people clap a corner, Um, and after reading that stat, I don't clap corners anymore, um, because... (laughs) Especially, especially as normally can seed but um, yeah, they don't normally um, result in that many goals. Um, in no, the and
0: we had load. We had a load of corners at Vale. We should mention this as well. You know, we didn't play brilliantly, but we did create. Maybe I don't know. I have to look at the stats. But yeah, we had like eight we we had corners
1: was, um, during yeah. the game, so we had but did quite we a few. Create-
0: a shot from any of them Ollie. No, I honestly can't remember really testing poor. the keeper yeah two of them back post that completely missed everyone I was saying to you on corners we should just leave someone on the byline at the back of the goal because <laughs> yeah. four or five of them just sort of end up there anyway so you'll at least get a chance to recycle the ball so let's just do that from now on it seems like a, a good idea but yeah we were very poor with corners again so um disappointing to see again that that sort of crept back in um, yep. if it ever really went away
1: yep and then three minutes later um, probably the best attacking move of the game, wasn't it? Um, where yes. um, Vale put strong a few passes together. Um, Riley got done, um, and I don't know whether he was just kind of got caught by the quick ball or what, but yeah, he got um, this winger got past him. Um, he pushed it passes um, passes the striker the winger. Sorry, does a, a pass cross into the box? Toto falls over. The striker falls <laughs> over and misses it. Um, and then then taylor who um took the corner um for Vale's goal um comes in and just slots into the back of the net and again obviously someone had um dropped his man again um so a really poor goal to concede and um a lot of frustration in the town end at that point
0: yeah it was when there it was a lot of groaning and a few boos but it was um yeah it was it was interesting because it was almost like we lost our heads after they scored the first goal and they kept they they attacked us and then they attacked us again and then scored so it was um it wasn't great to see. It did make you wonder about the mental sort of side of what was going on during that moment of time. Cause... Yeah, it didn't look good for anyone really on the pitch at that point in time. So yeah, I mean, it was a good finish in the end, despite the, the guy falling over just in front of him. He sort of steadied himself and steered it past Lutweiler again. Can't really blame the goalkeeper for that. Um wasn't one he was going to get sprawling across to. So 2-0 down. And I think I, I sort of tweeted out, start the car, game over, we're not going to be winning this. It turned out to be right, but um wasn't quite as close, you know, d- done deal as I thought it was at the time. So yeah, 2-0 down. And um, yeah, the, the sort of, Paul Hurst Barmy Army chants kind of that had been going on for twenty minutes, stopped dead and everyone started to scratch their heads and start thinking about what the the rest of the season was gonna be. So um yeah, it was, it was an interesting couple
1: of minutes, wasn't it? It was, and it was a real shame, because at that point, the Town fans were really on top form, weren't they? So much so, we were yeah, really brilliant. riling um, the Vale fans, uh, they were quite annoyed, especially the three porky lads who decided to take their top off <laughs> and have their one shower of the year. Um, yeah, the Town fans were in really, really good voice, and we were singing um, Paul, and it was really nice, it was Paul Hurst, Barmy Army, but two sets of fans of In The Shooting Town fans singing it, yeah. so it's vice versa, vice versa for... Like a, you know, a good 10 minutes is that exaggerating? Maybe 10 minutes, or no longer like than that. Yeah, yeah, really, really positive, really um, good. And yeah, my voice was um, quite hoarse when I got home. Fortunately, um, my, my fiance you were swearing was swearing at the end. That's, my, that's yeah. So, <laughs> it was, yeah, I think I burnt quite a few calories in that game, jumping up and down <laughs> and getting annoyed. But um, yeah, it, it really it was a real shame because. You know, after a few draws, I really hoped we didn't get something from the game, mm. and I was really confident and um, excited about this game. I was really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, when that second goal went in, it was just really burst the bubble and the bubble and town fans, yeah, unsurprisingly kind of um, not sat down, but
0: yeah, really kind of went quiet. It, it does. I can't, you know, I'll take us through to the end of the game, actually. One of the things yeah. I was thinking about driving home was it was just like, we'll come to the other goals and what the rest of the, the game, but it was a real sickener watching Vale fans celebrate like that. Yeah. Like there are local rivals and I they're one of the least like teams I think Shrewsbury Town fans have got at the moment. And just to see all their... St- fans, those scummy ones down in the corner, the ones that generally come to ours and cause trouble and last year punched a police horse if you remember rightly yeah. um, you know, it was. I made me feel worse about losing, you know, if we'd have lost that game to another relegation rival Coventry or something, I would never have felt as bad as I did coming out of the game but I was pretty bloody angry and livid driving home about having, having lost to them and let them off the hook, you know Port Vale, we've let them back into this bloody relegation battle, you've given them a sniff of a chance now, defeating them or even a draw would have just kept them back at arm's length so yeah, oh, real frustrating. Anyway, that yeah, that's just what I felt at the end, and I'm sure that lots of people felt like that. Yeah, but there you go. Um, anyway, but yeah, obviously we did have a small fight back, didn't we, Ollie? So um, yeah, do you want to just go over that?
1: Yeah, so um, we just kind of sprung into life, didn't we? At this point, subs. Uh, yeah, yeah, the subs came on, so um, Humphreys came on, Dodds came on, um, and brought a lot of life into the team. Brown all of a sudden remembered that he's allowed to attack, um, and was quite <laughs> a threat, um, on the left flank, um. Yeah. And then um Deegan got the ball. He actually passed to a man, like like, for <laughs> God's sake, my God, get that man a bottle of wine. He actually passed to a Shrewsbury Town player. Um and Dodge rifled forward. it. Yeah, and forward and to a Shrewsbury Town player. Um and to a player who's much better on the ball than him. And we were sitting right behind the ball, weren't we? And yeah. it was weird. I've never s I've never I don't think I've ever been that perfectly behind ball. And it just yeah. kind of was coming towards us and it just was rising. And he was just like I don't know, the ball was so still, wasn't it? So he left his yep. foot and it just rose and it went to the, right into the top corner. Um, yeah, he didn't celebrate, turned around and um, yeah, kind of just started jogging back. But an absolutely super strike. And um, yeah... Gave us a, a, a faint hope that we might actually do something.
0: Mm. Normally, if you see someone score a goal into the top corner, you've put a bit behind it, or they've really crafted it, or curled it up there. It, it was so casual the yeah. way he hit the ball. It was like, I'll just pop this top corner, bang! <laughs> it was just like, it was amazing, really, to be honest with you. And it was a bit of a kick in the teeth for the Vale fans being Dodds, and that was quite amusing. And then when we brought AJ Lee Smith on a bit later on, didn't we? We thought he was going to come on and score the winner, just to really piss him off. But yeah. turned out not to be the case. But yeah, great finish. I'd put it up there as one of the goals of the season, just for the sheer technique of it. Yeah. Um, I think the rain probably. Helped keep it from going over the bar, it probably just sort of made it have a bit more resistance in the air and it just made sure it stayed low enough to sort of nestle in the top corner. But yeah, Town Fans went mental then. We really thought we were going to get back into it and flipping heck to be fair. They all panicked hugely for about, for about at least five or ten minutes, didn't they? They yep. really struggled, and obviously, we had another couple of chances. There was a ball in across, and um, Roberts had that, it game. came to Roberts, yeah, and he just didn't get enough on it it looked you know it's a sort of chance that I think Lapado probably would have taken looking at some of the goals he scored so far this season but Roberts just didn't get enough on it and it sort of sailed out wide and Dodds had a chance to recycle it and won us a corner so nothing coming from that and then there was another one where Dodds got in down the line and crossed it straight across the six-yard box and if there'd have been any strikers in there it was a tap-in and it just went all the way through um, we couldn't convert and, and once we missed those two chances we had another couple of half chances Vale sort of towards the very end got back into control of the game and they, they totally saw out. Um, the, the sort of injury time didn't they much like we've been doing in our home games so we didn't get a sniff in injury time to, to at least you know you th- always think oh there'll be one more good chance here but to be fair to Vale, they played out really well and um, we were stuck in our own half we couldn't even get out in fact they had a couple of chances at the end just to, to kill it off and they missed them so yeah that was that really game over and yeah um yeah, we're screwed <laughs> for the moment.
1: Yeah, it was a real sickener. I was like so annoyed um, leaving in the ground, um, and then the next day, uh, I remember um, I, I think I tweeted out in the in the morning. Um, woke yeah, woke up feeling gutted about the performance and the result, uh, and obviously looking at the fixtures ahead, really really frustrated. But just um, before we um, yeah, kind of do top three and kind of make some kind of summaries of the game and look in mm. the wider picture. Um, Town were poor weren't they until we scored Yep. but some players I think are worth um, special mention Deegan mm-hmm. was absolutely atrocious I thought I thought yeah. he was really really poor um, everyone was really poor Warley was, had a nothing game there was one time where he brought, cut inside had a nice run he thought oh go on lad and he just passed it to the opposition like yeah. under no pressure at all um, Rodman was poor and I thought Payne was particularly dreadful as well um, I think the only players that really had any kind of Note was Roberts did a few nice touches and stuff, but obviously, he needs other players to support him. Um, I thought Morris was definitely the best player on the pitch Mm -hmm. for Shrewsbury throughout the whole game. Yeah, he was good. Um, But I don't know, am I being harsh there, or would you say that some of them had dreadful performances?
0: I think you picked out the the sort of four biggest underperformers. It's strange because obviously, we can say, oh, the defence switched off for the goal, and you know, you might want to point the things at Sadler, Toto, um, even Brown for his unconvincing first half. but in all seriousness, the the lack of anything that we got from the four players you mentioned, Payne, Roberts, uh, sorry, Payne uh, Rodman, um, Wally. Wally and Deegan, they, they really offered very little for the entire time they were on the pitch. Whereas at least the defenders, had, they had quite a bit to do as well because they had a few more chances and a bit more pressure on us. So, you know, you, you could see that there was things that Sadler did. I thought Sadler played quite well, to be honest with you. But... Um, yeah, those four and Payne particularly. Uh, Wally, you know, he got his, his you know normal five minute chant of you know everyone loves Wally and he's got this special chant, hasn't he? But he's got awful. He didn't he didn't deserve a chant and there was players on there that probably did deserve a bit of support and some you know let's hear the crowd getting on my you know getting behind me because I've had a good game and they never get it. So I, I don't understand it. But yeah, he didn't play very well. Robman was totally anonymous. Um, maybe a little bit better than Wally, I would say, because he he was a bit better on the ball. Um, and Deegan, yeah, it's it's interesting. We we talk about missing old Abu, don't we? But yeah. we miss Abu. But it's also kind of given us a bit more of a view of what Deegan is without the insurance policy that is Abu Agogo, and he's not brilliant sometimes in these games at the moment. And in all honesty, you know he was playing a lot when we were crap at the start of the season and under So he's got a carrier can for that and some of the poor performances against these poor teams as well, because it's it's really fallen on him to be the bit best man and and you know step step up since. Um, Abu's gone away sort of thing and he's done it in maybe one or two games of the six or seven we've been missing him and that's not enough really for a senior pro in the team he needs to be doing a lot more and not sitting there relying on youth players like Yates and, and Morris to come in and do half his running and half his work and half his passing he's got, to, he's got to really take it by the scruff of the neck and he was totally and utterly bullied out of the game in my opinion which is which is not great and he needs to step it up frankly Yeah he does
1: for for a 29 year old um, experienced pro who's played you know quite a few different teams um, in the lower leagues of, um, of English football and um, the low <laughs> low low league of Scotland um, you'd expect a bit more from him you'd expect you know to be a bit more of a man you know and kind of mm. guide these players and try and you know support um, but yeah he was he was really absent Um
0: yeah, he's he's one of the ones that seems to have been worse in the away games as well. I'd, I'd start to think there's this players that are having much worse performances away from home. Yeah. Deegan's not been noticeably crap in the No, moment, he hasn't. Even when we drew against against Coventry. But, you know, some of the away games where we haven't been winning that I've been at, he's been stood out as having done very little. And um, I, I don't know, wonder if it's something about away games. It's just de- he's, he's dealing with at the moment. I don't know. Who, who knows? There's
1: That's something wrong with the mentality, isn't there, of the team? Um, yeah. There's definitely something wrong there. Um and there's something that's either yeah just yeah you know, we don't seem to have enough get up and go to try and um, get a goal um mm. and i don't know whether it was the run you know kind of gave us the inflated um, kind of um inflated our chances in the players mind of staying up or but our yeah, way form has been poor um and our way points um continues to be poor um luckily our home form was is just an, but the trouble mm-hmm. is you look at you look ahead look at our fixtures and they're tough they're tough. So, yeah. before we yeah. go too far ahead, um, there's one thing we both wanted to mention. I saw you put this in the agenda, Glenn. Um, I thought one thing was really unnecessary and, well, maybe it's something to do with the age of the fans who started the chant, but... What yeah. was the anti mellon chance about? Just
0: A bit weird, wasn't it? To be fair, I mean, obviously we would have got relegated under Mickey Mellon, yeah. and, and there were some things he did that weren't good for the football club. But you know, we we did our sort of. If anyone's interested, there's an episode of Saladcast where we talk about sort of Mellon and his legacy at the football club, isn't yeah. there? And you know, it, it, the stuff he did in getting us up to League One and and Cheltenham in the last day of the season, and some of the things that went on at the football club then with people who passed away, and his community work that he kind of stopped doing at one point, but before that had been fantastic. All of those things have to be considered. You know, bring into consideration. But yeah, there was a long chant of, you know, cheer up Mickey Melano what can it be sort of thing and I was a bit like I'd not heard that before. I don't know whether they've been doing that at away games I've missed, but yeah, a bit of an interesting one and, and you know, of all the managers we've had over the years, he's hardly he's hardly that well, you know, hardly that disliked Dizzy and probably has 50-50 stock with fans. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's an age thing. I mean, who are we to tell them what to chant? They, they were pretty good in most of the rest of the chants yep, they got going definitely. during the game, the, the lads at the back, but I just thought it was a little bit unnecessary, personally, um, and, and yeah, not not really needed.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. That's exactly what else I thought. So, yeah, um, what else to say on this game, I I kind of, like, to sum this... I got wet. To sum got on the way home. Yeah, a long way home, and to sum this game up, like a... <sighs> A good old sigh it was a yes. it was it was disappointing and poor and everything kind of ad, you know kind of adjectives you can kind of think of to describe a, a poor performance yeah.
0: um, I think it, it's taken this weekend for P- town fans to get in their head where we're at now this because it, it's been interesting on social media and sort of listening to other bits and pieces from people I've been talking to over the weekend. I did the Shrewsbury 10K today and I bumped into a few Shrewsbury Town fans and quite interesting about how, you know, not everyone's got the view that we're screwed now and, and, you know, people are saying, look, we've got this two-point buffer and, you know, we've got a few more home games coming up and our home form's been better. Whereas, you know, personally, I'm a bit more of the opposition of, like, I think we're right back in trouble now and, and I'm, I'm quite panicked about the rest of the season and, and it was never, you know, we were never totally safe and we never said that on the podcast. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think it's taken the weekend for people to sort of put in their mind where we're at and what, what what we're doing and obviously the results on Saturday, which we can briefly talk about, I suppose, played a big part in that.
1: Yeah, no, I I think um, we have been getting a little bit carried away with ourselves, um, but the but <laughs> the gap between us and the relegation zone has never really pulled away. Um, it was up no. to like eight points, maybe nine, I think it was eight was the highest we got up to. Yep. Um, and yeah, now it's been shrunk. So before we kind of go on to the Saturday results, yeah, should, oh, yeah. should we do the top three? Yeah, go on. Yeah. So um, we both went for Morris, um, number one. Um, so I think that was quite yep. good. And he, he played really well. I told you he played really well, didn't I, in the last game um, away at yeah. Chesterfield. And he continued that form. Um and then yeah so I went um, Dodds second um, and Luke Lutweiler third I went for I was really struggled for number two and three I went for Dodds just because of the goal and the impact he made I went for Luke Lutweiler because he did make a class save didn't he in the first half to put yep, it onto the box and onto the post um, so I thought he deserved that um, so yeah so you obviously as I said you went for Morris number one who was your second third
0: yeah I mean just before going to second and third probably just worth me having my say on Morris because yeah, it's the yeah. first time i would seen him play and, and yeah he's very neat on the ball um, didn't seem to give it away as much which is our other players, which obviously stood out in a, in a performance as disjointed as we had, um, and he, he put a couple of really nice sliding tackles in, didn't he? As well, when, on a wet on a wet surface, you always like to see that. And there was a few good tackles actually. Toto put one in, but yeah, I thought he looked much more handy than um, Yates, um, who we've been seeing in the last few weeks. He looked a little bit more physical, um, which was definitely needed in a game like this. So. Yeah, for the first showing, I was I was pretty impressed with him and i, I say I went for him for my number one as well. Um, like you just said about Lutweiler, I went for him for my number two, actually. I thought that in the first half, and we would have been behind then and probably wouldn't have got back in it um, if he hadn't made those three good saves. So um, he didn't really have any chance with the goals. You can't really point a finger at a goalkeeper for that. So I thought kicking wasn't as bad as it has been in recent weeks, considering how bad the weather was and the wind was. So yeah, I thought he was pretty good, Lutweiler. And I went for third place. It was a bit of a toss-up, like you say. I went for Roberts, but it could have been Sadler, um, but you know anyone outside of that really i would have been struggling to name them in the top three so roberts did kind of get us on the front foot quite a bit in the good bits that we did in the first half but um and and second half as well but he, you know he wasn't pushing anyone for the man of the match that's for sure
1: yeah no definitely it was definitely hard to to choose choose from and yeah it'd been interesting to have been a fly on the wall to see what um paul Hurst had to to say after <laughs> after that um, performance so glenn so um so obviously we lost friday night um what happened on Saturday?
0: So, yeah, I suppose the the main results really were, um, the, the, the bad for us was Bury won, didn't they? And that's taken them sort of up, above, above us in a, a nice little gap as well. Um, but in terms of the, the teams sort of below us, obviously Swindon's still someone I'm keeping an eye on, even though I think they will get relegated. At one point, they were beating Bradford. They were 1-0 up yeah. and Bradford scored... Uh, two late goals to beat them so that was probably a, a really encouraging result for us and also at one point Oldham will be in Peterborough away which would've been a grand result for them but they got pegged back um, to a draw so they went above us but obviously it was only a point rather than the, the three it could have been so we've dropped down now just to just above Vale 2 point gap and um yeah we're 19th now all of a sudden and it's just it doesn't look too good there was a couple of other results down the bottom as well that sort of went our way sorry we're 20th
1: be... we're 20th we're below Oldham oh, 20th sorry yeah. yeah
0: it's gone down to 20th I should have said that yeah. but yeah um yeah, Gillingham also drew as well, I think, so it wasn't as bad as it could have been, was it? So, that was sort of the only saving grace of the weekend, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's just so frustrating, because if we had one, um, we'd be on, um, we'd be one point ahead, berry, we'd be 17th, um, and we'd have a, we'd have a um, yeah, we'd still maintain that five-point gap, but, yeah, two is... Well, no, it'd be eight Yeah, sorry, ahead. sorry, sorry, yeah, we would have had an eight-point gap, um, so both both cocking up there. Um, <sighs> it's annoying, isn't it? Exactly, but yeah, it is really annoying, and yeah, it's taken me. It's taken me a few days to get over that that um, that defeat.
0: <laughs> we, we we we've got some numbers you can call, Ollie. There's someone you can talk yeah. to. We should. See, I think I've always thought there should be a Shusup Town Samaritan sort of line at some point. You know, <laughs> it'd probably be very helpful to people. But yeah, it, it was. I think just the combination of things. The, the the off the back of the three bad games. You know, the two bad games against the teams at the bottom that we'd had. The fact it was a local. Derby, the fact there were seven hundred town fans there, so we'd gone in numbers, and, and to be honest with you, didn't deserve that as as a fan base. To be honest with you, I didn't think, and just seeing them bloody scummy Port Vale fans, the ones down the front who were goading us all match, just cheering at the end, and and I'm sure any anyway, if whoever Port Vale fans is to this, fair play, I'd have been doing exactly the same thing. I can't complain, you know. I definitely wouldn't have been down the front with my shirt off like those three blokes no. doing, because it was bloody freezing. But yeah, I, you know, it was just horrible for us to see it. But you know, there's been times when we've done it to Port Vale fans, so we can hardly be ha- mightier than now. And and I think it's just. Probably just worth it before we sum up the rest of the game. What, what did you make of Port Vale? Because obviously they're the team chasing us now. You know, it wasn't considering they beat us. There still wasn't that much there to worry you about them putting some massive run together and winning four or five games on the bounce, was there? They were not brilliant, and they were also totally knackered at the end. They were absolutely shattered from their their run they've got, and they've got. An, I think they've got another Tuesday Saturday game week this week, so you know let's clutch at straws and hope that you know we at least tire them out a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah they were tired at the end weren't they so yeah hopefully they can uh, they can have a few defeats um, because yeah, our next game is very tough um, at home to Correct. Bolton. And um, yeah, Bolton are second in the league now um, on 69 points. And yeah. it's going to be a, a tough, tough game, um, very tough going you know, going into that match.
0: Mm, it was interesting. I mean, we're, I think we're probably just, we're just trying to, we're not going to have any uh, sort of commentary clips in this one really going on now because there's not any salop news this week, is there only no. other than, you know, the, the, the game because it was obviously a Friday and yeah. And, you know, we're just going to go straight into predictions now as we're talking about Bolton, I guess. So, yeah, it is, it is Bolton up next, isn't it, Ollie? So, yeah, that was interesting. Their result of the weekend. They only just sort of snuck past Northampton, I thought, I saw. And I think Northampton were beating them at one point, weren't they? So, you know, obviously they, they weren't cruising past a team like Northampton who were sort of comfortably mid-table. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what it goes like. They, they, they were better than us when we played them at their place. But, again, it was a close game, 2-1. We weren't out of it until we, well, we got our late sort of goal and almost got unequalised, didn't we? So... Yeah, be an interesting one. I don't know. What do you think about it? How how, how do you think it's going to go? What's your prediction? Um,
1: well, we they beat Gillingham four nil away last um, last time they played away from home, um, and they beat Fleetwood four um, two, and Fleetwood were much better than us. Um, I can, I'm worried about <laughs> set yep. pieces um, because they're a big team again. I'd love us to. I'd love us to um, to get s- um, something positive from the game, um, mm. but I think um, we're going to hold until one or draw.
0: Okay. I think we'll lose 2-0, uh, because let's be honest with you, looking at form again now currently, I mean, I know we've been better at home, but, you know, Bolton are still kind of pushing promotion. If they, were, if they were mid-table, you might look at things a little bit differently, but I think we'll probably, unfortunately, lose, and just keep your fingers crossed that other results don't go too badly for us next weekend, and we can kind of build then, because I think we've got more in us away at Bristol Rovers, to be honest with you, and at home to Millwall, in terms of maybe where we could pick up points, so... I'd, I'd rather that it was coming the other way around. I'd rather maybe be away at Bristol Rovers this weekend to put away the, the sort of crap away form and give them a chance to do that and play Bolton the week after. But it's not falling that way. So, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I'll go for us to lose 2-0 this weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I hope that isn't the case. Um, no, but, me too. Um, I was thinking, yeah, I think we might, I think we would get a reaction from the players. Um, I think we'll Hopefully. get a draw. That could put us in the relegation zone. Uh, well, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, on um, yeah, sorry, it wouldn't actually. Port Vale, um, would be well, if we drew, we'd be even on point to them, to so that, and if they win,
0: unfortunately, Ollie, I've got some bad news for you. We could be in the relegation zone on Tuesday night because oh, Port Vale yeah. have got another one of their games in hand, got Coventry. So if they, if, and they're playing Cov which you'd think they probably would win, so we could be in the relegation zone by the time we play Bolton, and then if you lose again and Port Vale win again, if they do somehow put three wins together. Uh, all of a sudden, we're banking on Oldham and um, Barry and Gillingham not getting as many points in those three games as Port Vale. So you do start. That's why you start to worry about things like that because the, the mental issues with having fallen into the relegation zone could be quite big for our lot, especially the sort of younger lads or the lone players. Um, you would like to think that Hurst wouldn't let that happen, but yeah, I'm praying that Coventry do something on Tuesday night really to at least um, you know help us out if anything.
1: Yeah, I'm back to Friday night. <laughs> pretty, pretty down. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for that, Glenn. Um, it's
0: all right, Ollie. We're trying to finish this early this week, so Ollie can go out for a meal because I think he obviously needs cheering up. So uh, yeah, there we go, Ollie. I think you, you go out and have some food. Yeah, I've been away <laughs> so
1: much at the moment. I've been, as I said, I was in the, um, the Netherlands three weeks in a row. So yeah, a bit of good yeah. quality time. But um,
0: you should have stayed there. We wouldn't have lost if we weren't sitting by each other, Ollie. There you go. What, yeah, we'd have
1: come back with a dramatic win like we did at Charlton. But um, yeah.
0: yeah. There we go. Matches are running out though. They are. We need to win from somewhere in the next few. We've got to win at least one in the next two or three, haven't we? You know, just to to right the ship. A win and a draw wouldn't probably be that bad. Um if we did lose one of them, but oh, it's, it's it's not good. Don't look at the fixture list. It makes you unhappy. I think is the is the best advice at the moment. So there we go. We shall be at Bolton anyway. I'm at Bolton, Ollie. You're going,
1: aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Um, and fingers crossed, we can get something. But um, yeah, right. This no moment right now. Um, yeah, I'm thinking maybe I should change my prediction to a, to a, a loss. But I'm going to keep a draw. I'm going to be positive. <laughs> uh, and then, well, that's not that positive, is it? But um, let's see if we can get something from the game. Good
0: stuff. You said we had a question. Yeah, as well. we
1: had a couple of. Yeah, we had a couple of questions come through. Um, some of them are two. A couple of them are kind of like two big topics to kind of um, discuss right now. Uh, okay. But one of them um, was from from Alex. Um, and why do we seem to struggle against smaller teams? Um, we have the ability to be anyone on the, in the league on our day. Uh, what's your view on that?
0: It's just tough to answer, isn't it? I'd like to hear what Paul Hurst thinks about that after the last few weeks, and what he thinks about why why we struggled. For me, it's what I briefly mentioned before, I think a little bit of complacency had crept in, in all honesty, and it, maybe it wasn't there at Vale because we we thought we'd lost these last two games, but it was a lot a set of different circumstances maybe at Vale, but little bit of complacency, and I think that in general, you know, it's it's a funny thing, football, isn't it? I was just watching Liverpool Man City game, and it's something like they've taken Liverpool have taken twenty points against the teams in the top six, and they've taken ten points against teams in the bottom six. Now, the, by no measure is there any logical reason why that should happen. Um, is it a collective thing to do with the players? Is it a mental is it thing? Is it tactics, something to do with the way, Yeah, the way they play. Yeah, yeah. Is it something to do with the way the manager sets a team up against them when they're poorer teams than Man City? Because I'm talking about Liverpool again, but you know has it been that we found it easier to break teams down that attack us and when teams have sat more deep and behind the ball like coventry and particularly afc wimbledon for example i know we did beat them but we found it hard to sort of break teams down like that at times so maybe that plays a part in it there's all sorts of factors but it's not great is it and that's one of the reasons why we're in the crap we're into i suppose it is
1: yeah it certainly is so yeah good cheers guys please send your questions in um yeah there's been quite a lot of discussion um um, which the Salopcast account has been involved in, so um, it's worth following um, Salopcast if you want to um, know. There's often sometimes been today. There's been some debates in there with Lewis Cox and uh, Mark Elliott. Uh, so yeah, it's worth following the account at, um, at Salopcast on Twitter. So
0: yeah, well, there's, there's one more thing just to mention only before we go, which is um, we just want to sort of uh, sort of give you everyone a heads up about something we're working on with the the Breathe On Salop blog, which is um, obviously it's coming up towards ten years at the New Meadow um, at the end of the season, isn't it? So we'll have, we'll have done ten seasons at the New Meadow. Um, and we're going to sort of put together with with the guy with Alex, who was on the podcast, um, a sort of the best team that we've had in those ten years, you know, and, and put it out there to a to vote amongst the fan base. So, just to make everyone aware, it'll sort of be on Facebook and Blue and Amber, and we'll sort of mention it on here, um, and we'll sort of see. Who the fans vote as the best player in each position for the last uh, ten seasons at the New Meadow? Um, I think everyone will be putting Grant Holt up front, won't they? Ollie? But it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a no no brainer. Um, but yeah, and hopefully then going forward, we're going to sort of uh, the, the um, Alex and his and his blog is going to put a piece together, sort of a, a, to read, and hopefully if we can interview some of the players, we might be able to play that as a sort of special little podcast with some interviews with some of the players for the last ten years. So something we're working on. It was just worth mentioning yep. to sort of the listeners about something else we're trying to get going so keep an eye out for that vote coming down the line
1: yep no, that's a good a good one to end it on uh, on a positive
0: good stuff oh well right let's forget about the football until Saturday Ollie <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully we'll be back to winning ways against Bolton and the world will be right again yep. so um, yeah cheers to everyone for listening and uh, we shall catch you next week
1: cheers guys